This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Westmark. And I'm Brittany Grover, and you are listening to this special monthly Sidelines Magazine episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June 2nd, episode 2945. Sidelines is the magazine for horse people about horse people. Good morning, horse world. for tuning in this morning. On today's show, we talked to Bill Rube, who is celebrating both his return to the horse show world and almost 39 years of sobriety. And then we get to know Effie Dressage rider Katie Durhammer. Both of them have amazing journeys and that they're going to share with us, and I hope you'll go along for us on this ride. The Sidelines Magazine episode comes to you the first Thursday of every month, and this month our episode is brought to you by Glen Eyre Equestrian Program. Now let's jump right in with our first guest, Bill Rube. Bill Rube is the executive director at Glen Eyre Equestrian Program, and since the COVID-19 pandemic has returned to riding and showing. He served as the USHJA Fund Development Director and enjoys awarding his Style of Riding Award at shows around the country. He's also preparing to celebrate 39 years of sobriety and uses his experiences to help others both in and out of the horse world. You're about to celebrate 39 years of sobriety, and I know that you love to use that journey to help others. How have horses and the horse world factored into your journey? So the horses keep me stable, for lack of better words. Uh, I'm able to stay centered and focused when I'm involved with the horses because that takes up my spare time. And Mm. I'm the type of person that I always have to be busy. Uh, Me and my head don't get along, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also very passionate about the sport and, you know, all aspects of the sport. So it's just, it's all encompassing. You know, it's it's very, uh, it's very productive for me. And we know that you recently returned to the show ring and we love the hashtag Rube Rides Again. How did you come up with that? So Allison Johnson, who's the managing director for the program, she came up with that. Uh, I started riding here, you know, when, when I hadn't ridden for a while to, you know, get the horses exercise. And of course I bought one and she was like, hashtag Rube rides again, hashtag Rube rides again. So we <laughs> went with it and then it caught on. Wow. Yeah. I was going to ask, what has the response been like to that? I get a great response for it because uh, with from it actually started to get tongue tied. Um, I get a great response from it. You know, I run into people, judges, uh, fellow equestrian who they all go, "Hey, Rube rides again!" hashtag Rube rides again. So, you know, where are you riding next? That kind of thing. And uh, like I was at a Devon Friday and yesterday, and you know, catching up with so many people, and you know, talking about the show schedule and what we're all going to do, and. How have things changed in the horse show world since the last time you were showing? So in my opinion, the shows have changed in that there are so many horse shows. Just a couple of weeks ago, when, when I was showing at Princeton, there were five different venues going within, you know, three or 400 miles. And wow. it encroaches, you know, it encroaches on, on the shows, you know, in different areas. But at the same time, 
um, people are going to have to, these show managers are going to have to be held accountable because people are only going to go where they have a good time. Mm. And that's, you know, and I talked to all the other exhibitors and all the other people and, you know, like I had a, a young horse that actually went to a horse show and they kept changing the rings around and he finally didn't go until six o'clock at night. And, you know, it was all, it was all crazy. They were setting a course in another ring. They were, you know, it was like the witching hour. And, um, I just got really upset because the horse was spooking. And I thought, you know, I just spent $1,500 for my horse to go in a ring for six minutes and have a bad experience. Mm. So things have to change, you know, in that direction. I notice a lot of shows either being jumper focused or hunter focused. Um, I don't see that melding together too much, except at the bigger venue, you know, the, 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 the horse show factories, as I like to call them. I also really see a lot of the shows making an effort to reach out to the grassroots, you know, aspect of this, where it all begins. And, you know, with different outreach programs or offering a lot of classes that are for very, very beginner riders too, which I, I find you know, uh, uh, I, I love that actually. And I'm, I'm actually going to sponsor something, uh, uh, style of riding award at one of the outreach shows at Princeton at the end of, in, at the end of July, because they've, they've really done a good job with that. Oh, that's great. So I do know, um, that you love the world equestrian center in Ocala. And so do I, yeah. I would, I would move into that hotel if I could <laughs> and stay there. Um, so what has that experience been like for you in Ocala? Cause I know you also, uh, sponsor the style of riding award there. Yes. Yeah, so I love Ocala. Um, I've, I've ridden at every venue. Um, it was my second year at the world equestrian center in Ocala. Um, a year ago, it was, you know, COVID times. And I got down there at the end of uh, February after I'd gotten vaccinated and I really liked it. And I decided that I was going to go back again this year for the full circuit, January, you know, through the end of March. And uh-huh. what I like about that show, it's all inclusive. It's affordable. And, you know, they really accommodate the exhibitors. If it gets too cold, you move inside. If it rains, you move inside. You know, oh, we want to do the Derby and the big uh, uh, Grand Prix ring. You know, they set everything up to accommodate everybody. Mm-hmm. And there's classes for everybody. I mean, I saw rail classes where kids are cantering over courses that are just rails. And it was packed every week. And it's, of course, it's not, you know, USCF re- recognized. And um, I don't think that's a problem. You know, I, I remember talking you know, to the management there and and saying, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Like, what do you need? What do you need all that in here for the USF? And, uh, you know, that's just my, my opinion. Um, And it made it, made it a lot of fun. There was camaraderie there. You know, everybody gathers around the ring to root everybody on. It's a whole different, whole different ball game. I, I found it very, very rewarding. And I saw smiles, genuine smiles. Yeah, that's, I don't see it. Some of the other venues, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. And, and Bill, you have two horses, um, center of attention and roulette mm-hmm. and you train with Correct. Will, Will Baker, who was one of our hot horsemen, by the way. So we really <laughs> like him. Um, and every time I see him, he happens to be wearing a sidelines baseball cap. So I really like that. Um, <laughs> right. so tell us about what it's like to train with Will and, uh, how your horses are doing. 
so Will's a really good guy. He's, he's young and enthusiastic. He came up the hard way, as I like to put it. You know, he, he worked his way up and, and is pretty self-taught. He's had a lot of great mentors getting to this point. And I really enjoy working with him. Um, I see a lot of myself in him and I kind of, you know, really want to help young professionals get ahead. And I've always gotten involved with younger professionals, uh, uh, over the years to help them, you know, make their way. And, you know, I look for people that actually exhibit horsemanship, you know, in full sense of the word, you know, not just getting on the horses and treating them like mini bikes and getting off and, you know, I just, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I totally get that. Um, so I know that you, in addition to riding and showing and, and working with your horses and will, that you also are the executive director of Glen Eyre Equestrian Program. Um, and I find it completely um, fascinating that they reached out to you about a horse that you had owned that ended up at that program. And then you ended up staying there and becoming the executive director. Is that right? That's correct. It's, it's actually a, a great story. A horse that I owned um, in, in the late 90s, early 2000s, when they, 2000, uh, mystery date. And uh-huh. I wound up selling him to a girl and she had him for several years. And then she sold him to somebody, uh, a young man, I guess. And then uh, he, they wound up donating him to the Glen Air Equestrian Program, you know, for their work to ride program. Uh-huh. And Ellen, uh, I was on Facebook one time and uh, I saw a post about uh, uh, mystery date and being judged at a horse show over at Glen Air. Uh, and then I reached out to Ellen and we messaged on Facebook and she sent me a lovely message that he, uh, uh, you know, lived his life out here and he just was a very happy horse. And it just made me feel really good. And, you know, several years later, I'm in Wellington and I'm at the dog park and I get introduced to this, to, to Ellen Healy. And I said, oh my God, Glen Eyre and so on and so forth. And one thing led to another and we had a lunch and she told me all about the program and I was fascinated. Um, I didn't react on it until I had gotten home um, from Florida and well into the summer and we ran into each other again, Ellen and I, and then one thing led to another and I took the job as executive director to help get them recognized and get the program off the ground. So it's already off the ground, but get the program more, more known, uh, so a lot of the horses that come to Glen Eyre are through Stacia Madden and Beacon Hill. Uh, when they're done their careers with her, she reaches out to Glen Eyre and the horses get donated here and they are wonderful for the kids. They're, they're, they're great animals. And we have horses that are here from the time that they're like 14, 15 or 16 to the time they're well into their thirties. Um, <laughs> when the horses can no longer be ridden, we move them to a whole other side of the farm where we have the retired ones, but they do equine facilitated learning and equine mental health where we work with uh, first offenders and, you know, different groups that, uh, that, you know, to heal through horses. Right. And it's very positive and very successful. Uh, what a, it's such a great program. I, I would love to come see it one day. I, um, Every time I've read about it and and talked to you or seen your, read your stories, uh, I just love it. And I know that um, 
helping others, as we call as we called it in the um, your article in our June issue, we said you would like to give it away, as in help other people. Um, and I think mm-hmm. not only is Glenn Air that, but um, are if people are having um, trouble issues with either drugs or alcohol, um, I know you've mm-hmm. taken that journey. And are you willing to? Uh, should they reach out to you? Are you willing to help them to get into a program, or what? What do they need to do? Absolutely. They can reach out to me and I'll be glad to talk to them and help them in any way I can point them in the right direction, depending on where they live or connect them with somebody else that may be recovering as well, or just listen, just flat out, listen to their, to their issues and, and what they're struggling with. Um, they have to have a a desire to stop. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not something I'm going to reach out to them. If I see somebody with a problem, they need to reach out to me or another recovering person because they have a desire to stop. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that's an easy process and, and a lot can go along the way, but as long as people try, you know, I'm there for them. And the other piece is, is I like to show an example of what, you know, what it can be like if you get your life together, you know, by discussing like what happened, you know, where I am now and mm-hmm. how I got this, how I got to this point. So, and it was, it was difficult. It was very difficult. Well, of course. Yes. Well, um, I'm just very proud of you and I just am grateful Uh that you are willing to help others. Um, not only at people that might need help, um, on their journeys through life, but also people in the horse show world and what you're doing for the horse show world. Uh, I think it's just a great thing. And, uh, I just want to say thank you for letting us feature you in the June issue and for sharing your story with us. Thank you. It's, it's, you know, it's about paying it forward and you're doing it. I'm doing it. You know, this is how, this is how we get, get from point A to point B and it's wonderful. And I really appreciate you reaching out and allowing me to uh, share my experience, you know, strength and hope with you. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I hope that somebody hears this or reads your story and does reach out to you or someone else, you know, maybe that's in a, a AA program or something um, and that they can get help also, because that's obviously what we want. We want to be able to help people. Perfect. I couldn't agree more. And someday uh, we will, maybe Brittany and I will come see the Glen Air Equestrian Program. We would love that. We would I love would that. love it. We, we would, would love it. Um, you would love it. The kids are amazing. Um, they're just great kids. They're yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, I know we did a story on them a while back and Brittany wrote that story. Right. And I, I was always, uh, well, I'm always impressed with all the therapeutic riding programs, no matter how they work, um, you know, if they work with different kinds of kids. I just am just mm-hmm. I think the horse world is blessed by all the therapeutic and, and programs, you know, that we have like that uh, because I it is agree more. Yeah, it is more than just the show world. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that that's, you know, there's plenty of people that can't show, but all those kids still need help. So, well, Bill, you are always great to talk to. And I was so glad to <laughs> speak you. to you here. And um, I'm sure we will see you in the future. And at least I'll see you in Ocala. Definitely. And thank you so much again for everything you guys do to, you know, putting out such an awesome magazine. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for uh, being who you are. Glen Air Equestrian Program in Lumberton, New Jersey, aims to provide a hands-on, experience-based learning environment for people in difficult situations, including children, families, and military personnel. They offer equine-facilitated learning and equine-facilitated mental health, 
as well as a working student program that teaches horsemanship and responsibility to at-risk youth, pairing them with their own horses. The working student program provides a safe space for students to learn, develop, and grow. Key outcomes include relationship building skills, personal responsibility, self-confidence, and healthy stress relief. To find out more, visit GlenAirEquestrianProgram.com. Katie Durhammer is an FEI dressage rider for TYL Dressage in Greenwood Village, Colorado. Katie has had an amazing story of perseverance in the horse world, and we are excited to talk to her and learn more about her fascinating journey, including the time she gave up on her dreams and quit horses. Now she's back in the dressage ring, and with two qualified horses for the World Equestrian Games, it's a story you don't want to miss. Katie, so you grew up riding and showing, thanks to your mom who is a dressage rider, and um, what role has she played in your riding? And does she still help you? Does uh, she still ride? Yeah, so my mom still rides. She has a training business in San Diego, um, California, and still runs the training business. She travels a lot to teach um, around the county and then still runs the training business out of our my childhood home. Um, and so she was hugely, hugely significant in my riding career, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um Ever since I was born, she rode up until three weeks before I was born. And I was like doing Piaf and Passage and one Tempe's still in the womb yeah. on her Grand Prix horse that she had. So, um, and then when she actually left me for my first uh, time away, when, right before she had my sister, and uh-huh. she left me for a cruise with my dad and my stay with my grandmother, and she gave me a stick horse and gave me a list of things to teach it. And by the time that that stick horse had like, at the end rubbed off basically into a sharp point from riding it so much. I knew how to do one tempies and piastas and pirouettes and half passes. And I would go out there in between her lessons and run around the arena on my stick horse. Oh, so, um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really, really a fun way to grow up. And, you know, she always made sure that we really enjoyed our horses. If we wanted to do dressage, great. If we wanted to just goof off and play chase around the ring and, ride bareback. She was hundred percent okay with that. So, and then she obviously took me all over the state to get qualified for young riders and, um, really just encouraged me to always go for it. Even if I feel like maybe the chance was slim, it was like, never, never give up. You never know. Well, and she played a pivotal part in your getting Milo because she told you to call everybody and just ask them if they had a horse. So tell us that story because I love that story as a, an example of perseverance, when things get tough, you just kept going. Yeah. So we bred, we kind of did some hobby breeding, um, as I grew up and I did, um, juniors actually on a horse that we bred home bred and Uh he just was not able to keep it together to do young riders with. So, um, you know, my parents worked very hard to make sure I could do this, but we weren't financially in the place where you could go out and buy an upper level horse. Um, and, he said, we're interested in lease a horse. So I worked on a couple different leases. And the final one I worked with, just I put six months into the horse and it just did not work out. And ended up having to go back to the owner. And that was basically very middle of qualifying season for, for young riders. And oh, wow. I had tried the last two seasons to go to young riders and was not successful just due to horses not working out and this and that. And so um, she... I was pretty upset because I had just thought like I was getting ready to do my very first qualifier and just the horse is just not working. So we get sent him back 
And she said, why don't you see if there's anybody else? And I said, who's going to leave the horse? It's like March. It's middle of qualifying season. And so she said, just go to the CBS letters. Cal- at that point, California's Dressage Society letters. Uh-huh. And call every single person that has any horse that might be for sale and see if they would ever consider doing a lease. So that's what I did. And my mom and dad were like, just don't give up. You never know. And I talked to a million people that said no. And then one person, had, a trainer, had a horse for sale and said, well, he's not the easiest horse to ride sometimes. And we have not been able to sell him because of that. He's not dangerous. He's just kind of lazy and kind of strong. And I said, great, I'll come try him. So I went and tried him with my mom and could basically do everything I had to do in the pre-St. George. It was not very pretty, but we could do everything. And so I said, I'll take him and (laughs) brought him home. And I went to my first horse show on him two weeks later. I just did a little national class and, um, it was, did not go phenomenally, but again, we completed everything. So I said, (laughs) if I have any chance of qualifying, I have to do a CDI next week. And I went and did, um, a CDI at Delmar national. And my mom was my coach there and she was, you know, go, you can do this. It's going to be great. And I said, here's the deal. If I come in last, I think there were six people in the class. If I come in last, I'm done. I'm not doing young riders. Like I just can't do it again. And she's like, okay. And I got something like barely a 60, but by God, I came in second to last by about two tenths of a point. <laughs> and I was so excited. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, all right, here we go. It's happening. And my mom was a saint and drugged me all over the state to get scores because at that point you're so late in qualifying season, you know, you have to hope it around the state. You can't just go within two or three hours. We ended up in Northern California and a couple of times and barely got qualified. We qualified with the last spot on the team. And then, um, by the time young riders came, I'd had him three months and at young riders and he led the team to team gold. And then he came in and gave, gave me an individual gold as well. That's wow. so amazing. It was, it was really very, very special horse. And an inc- his owner is incredible. He's still, Pam is still very near and dear to my heart, Pam Schachter, who owned him and ended up pulling him off the market, letting me have him for another year and lease him. And then actually took him and rode him all the way through his retirement. That's so awesome. I love that story. Yeah. That just shows people out there. If you having trouble, there's where there's a will, there's a way. Yep. Yep. I love that. So after Young Riders, uh, you went to Germany, right? To work, uh, riding, teaching, competing, and even grooming at the FAI level. And then when you came back to the States, you decided to take a break from horses entirely. Can you tell us kind of what the factors were in that decision to stop pursuing that dream? Yeah, you know, I was at that point like 22 and I had no money, less than no money. Um, And I had been making a working student salary for a very long time. Um, And I just got to a point where I said, you know, again, I wasn't from a financial background that made, if if I wanted it to happen, it was going to have to happen because I worked for it, not because I had opportunities that were available Mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. And um, when I came home, I just, I was working a ton in Europe and six to six and a half days a week with like 16 hour days. And I was a little, I was burnt out. And I got to a place where I said, if I don't braid another horse, it's okay with me. And I was riding and grooming and managing the facility. And they were amazing. Like, they wanted me to stay. They offered me a riding position. But I was a little bit like, it's just not 
I don't think I can do it. And right. so when I came home, I said, it's time to like, I'm a pretty realistic person. And I was like, it's time for me to like buckle down and finish my education and be committed and get a real job so that maybe one time at some point in my life, I can afford to buy my own nice horse and do my mm. own hobby mm-hmm. riding essentially. Yeah. Um, and that lasted three months or six <laughs> months. And I bought oh. a yearling. <laughs> <laughs> About seven thousand dollars that I had in any savings, I bought a yearling. Oh, how <laughs> That's funny! Wow. <laughs> yeah, and my mom yet again drove across the country with me to go pick it up. So now you're back in it totally, competing horses for Kylie Lurie of TYL Dressage. So, talk about other fantastic owners. How did you get to where you are now? That is a hundred percent. Thank you to Demi McDonald. So I did working student for Debbie, um, kind of all on and off through my young rider years. That's again, something my mom pushed me to do. I saw Debbie at a show and, um, was when I was 16 and 17 and then enamored and just thought she was a magical rider with Brentina. And so inspiring. My mom said, you should go talk to her and see if she'd ever do a working student. And so I did. And Debbie said, do you want to work hard? And I said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And so, um, I started doing some, I worked for her just at shows and then, I hand walked more horse than I've ever hand walked in my entire life. Um, <laughs> and then I would bring my horse up to her on the weekend once a month to take a couple lessons and then go back to my place. Um, and so after I went to young riders with Milo, then I did one more year of young riders with Debbie. And then I kind of lost, not lost touch, but you know, I moved on and went to Europe and I didn't have the funds to go to Brentina cup horse after I aged young riders. So when I got back from Europe, Debbie called me and said, there's this lady I know that's looking for a trainer in outside of Denver. And you and one other person came to mind and, you know, she has a program full of young riders and juniors and wants them to, um, do the whole young rider program. And since you're so well-versed in that, I thought of you and I said, uh, I'm flattered, but I feel like that's a little bit more than I'm capable of. And she said, no, no, no. Like, what do you think you've been training for this whole time? And I was like, yeah, but I'm happy. I'm in school. I have, and now it's my husband. We've been married a little over seven months now, but we've been together for over 10. And I said, so at that point, my boyfriend, um, I'm going to get a relationship. Like I, I don't want to move to Denver. (laughs) I'm not, I'm done. I'm done chasing the dream. And she said, no, no, she's a really incredible person. You should just talk to her. And even if you do work there for a year and you save money and, move on. Like, I think it's still a worthwhile connection. And I said, okay, fine. (laughs) And so I talked to Kylie and she said very, she's a very upfront, very honest, direct person, which I love working for. And she said, you sound great, but my biggest concern is you're 23 and I need someone to run the program of, at that point, there's like five kids and 17 or 18 ish horses and myself and she rides. And she said, it was never going to be a sponsorship. It will never be a horse for you to show. It's just strictly about me and my kids. And they're and then a couple family friends. And I said, okay, like for me, the management of the farm was the easy part. It was mm-hmm. the training that I felt like, oh my gosh, all these horses are pre-St. George. Like that, that sounds like, am I really ready for this? And mm-hmm. Debbie assured me I was. And Kylie said, I'm worried you're too young. And I said, okay, that's fine. And, but I can't change that. So if that's going to be a big thing for you, then I don't think it's a fit. And she said, okay, so we kind of didn't do anything for a few days. And then she calls me back and she goes, you know, I really think it might work out. Like you should come out for an interview. And I was still very sure that I would not 
like it. Very sure. <laughs> I'm not moving to Denver. She flew me in. I met her. She's incredible. The kids were all so sweet and hardworking and just good kids. The horses were all sweet and talented and really good horses. And I got off back to the hotel the first night and talked to my mom and she was like, what do you think? And I was like, I think I'm moving to Denver. (laughs) (laughs) And that was 10 years ago. Now we've been, I've been working for her for 10 years and it's just Mm -hmm. kind of grown into the situation it is now. And she is the most kind and hardworking and extremely committed owner that enjoys the journey. Like I just cannot say nothing about her. I mean, between her and always my mom and Pam and Debbie, I feel like there have been some incredible people in my life that have given me the opportunities that I have now. That I mean, the life I live now is beyond even my wildest dreams. Like if you would ask me what I would do, I would have given you half of what I am able to do right now because of Kylie. Wow. wow. I love that. And even though she told you that you weren't going to end up with horses to ride, you are riding and competing now, correct? Correct. And, you know, she just, she really wanted for her, what she always tells me about one of the reasons that she chose to sponsor me is because I, I prioritized what was important to her, not what was important to me. So I said, okay, fine. Like if it's not for me to ride, that's fine. You're paying me enough money that I don't have to run around and teach and clinic a bunch. So I will prioritize your kids and you're riding. And I taught 12 lessons a day and taught her and her kids and they all went to juniors and young riders and ponies and um, got their appropriate level medals and everything and and she said that was one of the reasons that she wanted to work like that chose to sponsor me is because she said you know the most important thing is that kids out there really figure out what's important to the owner and that I didn't go into it looking at something that was going to just strictly benefit me I wanted to be like if I'm going to commit to doing this for your kids. I want that to go the best it could ever possibly go for your kids. And that she's like, that made me then want to invest in you as a person. And when she told me she wanted to buy, she wanted to have a team horse and a team rider. I actually told her that she needs to sponsor someone like Adrian because I just feel like I will work really hard, but I've never ridden Grand Prix. I can tell you that I will try my hardest to make it all work. And, and I would love the opportunity, but if your goal is to have a team horse, you need to put it with a team rider that can do it for you. That has a, more of a shot. You know, it's already such a long shot. Mm. And she said, no, I don't remember exactly where I'm sitting. She goes, no, I, you're misunderstanding me. I want to build a horse and a rider and an owner all up through this incredible journey. And if we make it to a team, we make it to a team. But I want to do it with you. Oh, and that's that, amazing. I mean, she, she's an amazing person. And I would be, like I said, like I, I just, the opportunity she's given me. And now this year we have two horses shortlisted for the WEG. So that's amazing. Um, we're two Grand Prix horses to Europe, both of which when neither one were bought as Grand Prix horses. So, um, it's really, and for me, like to have her be part of it. And she actually got, she doesn't come to many shows. She doesn't come to Florida very much. She has a whole family at home and she has a huge business that she runs, but she happened to be in Ocala, um, for a qual for a show beginning of this season and then down here for one other show that went quite well and to have her get to be there for that was really really exciting because I feel like she's done so much for me that to get to see her have that joy and she still rides all the time at home and she loves it and she's so dedicated and takes her lessons and um can do all the Grand Prix now so it's been very fun 
It's incredible. So um, who are these two horses that are shortlisted? Is it Paxson and Quartet? Correct. Um, and where is Weg going to be? Uh, Herning, Denmark. Have you been to Denmark? I have, but just to look at horses. Okay. Well, that's very exciting. And just congratulations. I mean, that's incredible. Thank now, will, you. will your husband, Gerard, get to go with you? Um, no, probably not. He, we, we like to keep life complicated. Um, he actually lives full-time right now in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, <laughs> and <laughs> we're both kind of at, you know, we've been together for 10 years. We've done long distance for a very long time. Um, and he gets to spend a lot of time together during the summer. But I feel like we're both at the spot in our careers that we're very career driven and we're both extremely ambitious. So I feel like it's not fair of me to say he needs to stay exactly and put in one place forever when I'm out gallivanting around the world, chasing my dream. So uh-huh. his job opportunity ended up really well in Boston. This last He got the job like three months ago or four months ago. So he moved to Boston for a year at least. Um, so he'll probably come visit, you know, his whole family's over in Austria. Uh-huh. Um, and that's actually where we got married. So I have very strong ties to Europe. So he'll probably come visit for a horse show, but he won't get to come over for very much. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Well, um, if anybody can make it work, it's definitely you. Cause you've proven that with your, <laughs> um, your whole journey so far. Now you did say that he's a good horse show. Well, is he a good show, horse show husband? Cause you did say, well, he doesn't ride dressage. He can, yes. he can see the good and the bad. Yes. Yes. He is, is v- very, very good at seeing that. And he actually loves to watch all the live stream. He's very dedicated to watching the live stream. Um, and then if he can't watch the live stream, he requires videos. Um, and he goes to, he goes to the big shows. Like he came to festival of champions last year and watched and stuff, but he's like the perfect kind of horse show husband because he knows just how much to leave you alone. Uh, that's good. That's <laughs> so good. He's yeah. very self-sufficient. He likes to show up and he's supportive, but he says, okay, now she's going to just, you know, take her two hours for her ride and I'm going to leave the barn and let her do her thing. And so to me, like to have someone that understands that kind of without even having to talk about it, just knows you so well and knows when, when to be there and when it's important to not be there and let me do my job. I think that's really, really special. That's amazing. Well, congratulations on getting married also. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And then I do see in the, one of the pictures that we ran in this, um, in the, uh, is it the June issue? The June issue of Sidelines. Uh, you have a little, uh-huh. a little golden doodle with you. So I have a, I have a labradoodle. So tell us about her. Uh-huh. Her name is Charlotte. Correct. Yeah, her name's Charlotte. She is um, nine this year in October. Okay. Um, and we've had her since she was a puppy. And she basically, she does not get to go to Europe with me, but she basically goes everywhere with me all the time. She's at all the horse shows. She travels around. She's probably driven more miles than not any adult in their normal life would because <laughs> um, she goes back and forth to Denver to Wellington. And then also if we, we spend a lot of summers, if we take a summer vacation, um, my family has a cottage in Canada that's been in the family for like 120 years and we'll spend some summer time up there. So she'll drive back and forth from Denver to Toronto too. So she drives a lot. <laughs> Very well-traveled. That is a well-traveled dog. Well, Katie, it's been yeah. amazing talking to you. So how can people follow you? And follow your journey. Um, I'm, yeah. So I'm on Instagram, um, and I real, and I'm on Facebook too. I'm really not the best social media person. I tend to be, 
a very private person. I really just like training my horses and letting the success be for itself. Um, but I'm trying every year. I say to this year is getting better than last on social media. So um, it's Katie underscore Durhammer on Instagram. If you want to follow me. Okay. Well then we'll just have to see you in the headlines where you're winning things. How's that? <laughs> Perfect. Sounds yeah. good. Well, thanks for talking with us and thanks for being in sidelines. We, we loved your story and you're very inspiring. And so now we're going to go live better lives because of you. Uh, thank you. It was really, really a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm so grateful that you guys took the time to write this story. It was really special for me to see that whole part of my life in print because I really do feel so blessed to have had the opportunities that I've had and the people that have been in my life to make those happen. Oh, that's awesome. And horses, obviously incredible horses. That's right. Okay. Well, thank you. And we will uh, catch up with you later. Brittany, I love the June cover of the side, the sidelines more than any other cover probably ever. Although I do say that all the time, but it's a picture <laughs> of bliss holding a whole armful of carrots. Bliss with her horse. Yes. And, uh, it was hysterical because there were probably about 300 photos of carrots spread all over the ground and oh the horse goodness. like yanking carrots out of her arm. Um, but I, I, hope I love that. I love that picture because you can just see the horse's face of how happy he is to be getting all of these carrots. He, yep. There's a whole bunch of carrots. <laughs> yeah. And he still has three stuffed in his mouth. So if you haven't seen the cover of Sidelines, go to sidelinesmagazine.com. Look at current issue and you'll see the cover we're talking about. It's uh, the June issue. And if you want sidelines in your mailbox, go to the subscribe ish sub subscribe link and make sure to get it. Yep. You can find both of these stories and so many more in the June issue. Sidelines can be found at sidelinesmagazine.com where you can subscribe to the sideline scoop and get every new issue in your email for free. Thanks to our sponsor, Glen Air Equestrian Program. We'll see you on the sidelines. <laughs>